addition to having Sam and Virginia, which I really am thankful you guys are here today, uh, you're always welcome and wanted. So uh, they're in the metro, and we're glad to have them back with us. We're going to hear from Pastor Tom Gang. If you are one of our disciples, you've already heard from him yesterday. And if you're part of the discipleship luncheon, uh, everybody that was there could tell you it was outstanding and uh, good. And also, I don't want to neglect Ed. He brought Ed. Where's Ed at? Ed? Man, good to see you, brother, and uh, glad you're. He did. A, he brought some brought some fire too yesterday. It was really good. So, uh, so uh, I just want to give a brief introduction, of, uh, so you know a little bit about Tom. Some of you weren't here the last time Tom preached, um, uh, but the last time he preached, it connected us with Sam. So it's kind of neat how God worked all that together, and uh, and how He did that through our mission. Right, our mission here is to equip the saints of God and the Word of God to accomplish the mission of God and the power of God. Uh, for the glory of God, by the grace of God. A lot of, a lot of it's about God, and He has done that. When we first started the church, our, I mean, Pastor Sam remembers when, in Virginia, I'm still upset that we lost your, your bracelet, I think it was. Uh, but, uh, we, uh, we were in the Christian school, and, and we were just a baby church, and we had this tiny little vision conference, and Sam came every night, and, uh, and he was there for every meeting, spoke in the daytime. And uh, was just really gracious to us. He's, he was a he he planted a church out of uh, he was a, out of Clifford Clark's ministry out of Oklahoma. Had our same heritage and DNA. It was just wonderful. Uh, and then fast forward the tape a few years, the church has grown and and think we're in this building and we're having another conference. <clears throat> and Pastor Tom comes to preach, and uh, they get connected and uh, and and uh, it was just a neat thing. And they have their own relationship, and I'll let them talk about that their own story, but. It's neat how God <clears throat> uses his mission uh, to get the gospel to the uttermost, to connect us all together for his glory. And so uh, I was thinking about a speaker who could uh, accentuate every other year. I like to bring in a speaker from outside that's like-minded in discipleship that can encourage us and challenge us. And God put Pastor Tom Gang on my heart. And it's been a long time since we've been able to really reconnect. We've both been busy in ministry and accomplishing the mission he has an institute we have an institute we're training he's training i mean so it's just we're so like-minded it's it's unbelievable i'm like we need to get tom in here and so uh i call god put him on my heart i called him and to my surprise he's like brother i'm putting it on the calendar right now so i was like yes and so uh man we have a, it's just sweet to have pastor tom gang you've seen the fruit of his ministry um and jay boffman many of you know jay who comes uh for off, oftentimes for our vision conference you'll see jay he spoke at a marriage conference and also eddie Ziss. and so uh those of you that are supporting eddie in prayer and, and supporting him financially uh that is this is his pastor you finally get to meet uh, his pastor tom gang and at a first uh first baptist of jackson ohio and uh it's my great pleasure to introduce him and if uh, brother if you would uh, make your way on up give uh, pastor tom gang some love as he comes to preach to us this morning. Well, it is, uh, it is good to be here. It's funny he said we have an institute. He didn't say Bible Institute. So we have a lot. We have a psych ward in that institute. Probably shouldn't joke around about such things, but uh, it was funny to me when you said that. And... Uh, yeah, I, I just want to say that, uh, look, I know it takes everybody, it takes everybody in the church, it takes a lot of leaders to pull all these things off. But uh, I do want to say, uh, Brian, you and Amy have done an outstanding job. And I'm very thankful that you, both of you, uh, obeyed the call of the Lord. <clears throat> 
So um, I just want to tell you, you've been a great blessing to me. It's really nice. We're both just busy working, doing the, doing the work of the Lord, and it's really nice to uh, be back reunited again, as it were. Not that there was anything between us other than busyness, but uh, <clears throat> what an honor it is to be here. Uh, the last time uh, that I was here, I met uh, who had become one of my dearest friends, and uh, I'd be Sam and Virginia Strickland. And uh, and I just can't thank you guys. And, well, isn't it nice to be in the family of God? Isn't it something that you can go anywhere, and when, a- anywhere in the whole world, anywhere, Ohio, Missouri? Did I just say Missouri? <laughs> Did I say that right? Missouri? Missouri. Well, I'm from Ohio. It's Missouri where we live. And you meet people and we're kin. And it's just so sweet. And that's because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so with all that said, uh, why don't you open your Bibles up to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. <clears throat> John 15. And please uh, read with me, if you will, out loud. I'll begin. It's John 15, verse verse 8. John, the Gospel of John, verse 15 and verse 8. If we'll all read this aloud. Herein, you guys ready? Let's start again. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Let's pray. Father, my life is so much better because of you and your Son, Jesus Christ. And you left your Spirit within me. You placed Him there the day of our salvation. And uh, we owe you everything. Just can't imagine what it would be like going through life without Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and uh, I so appreciate you and so thankful for you. And Lord, we just uh, trust you to do a work this morning in this message. I'm very humbled to be here in a church that's been making disciples since day one. And to come in and speak about these things, Father, is a, it's a great privilege. But... The things that I have to say, Lord, I just pray they'd be the things that you want to speak to this church. Not me, but you. And so I ask, Lord, that your spirit, your Holy Spirit, would bless the reading and study of your words this morning. And that you, Jesus Christ, would be glorified. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. On a cold January day... A 43-year-old man was sworn in as the chief executive of his country. By his side stood his predecessor, a famous general, who 15 years earlier had commanded his nation's armed forces in a world war that resulted in the defeat of Germany. The young leader was raised in the Roman Catholic faith. He He spent the next five hours watching parades in his honor and stayed up celebrating until three o'clock in the morning. Now, for sure, if you're over 50, you're probably thinking, 
about who I'm talking about, right? Huh? Well, here's the thing. It's January 30th, 1933. And I'm describing Adolf Hitler, not who you probably thought, John F. Kennedy. How many of you thought John F. Kennedy? No, no, no. The exact description. Exact timing. A lot of things in common. But it was Hitler. And here's the point. We make assumptions, don't we? We make assumptions about lots of things without knowing all the facts, without knowing the whole story. And this is really important because those assumptions affect our behavior. And these perspectives that we have cause actions that flow out of our life. We make decisions on what we think that we know. We make choices every day based on our perspective of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And I do a lot of biblical counseling, as I know that you do, Pastor. And we come across this all the time, don't we? People have the wrong perspective about their circumstances. And thus their actions create more problems. See, we got to be very careful to make our decisions based on faith in what the Bible says. Amen? And not on what we think or we assume. We've got to be careful to see things from God's perspective. You know, the people we come in contact with, wherever you are, whatever you do, the work that we do for the Lord, and your service here in this local church and in the community, the thoughts that we entertain, that we allow into our mind, and the circumstances we find ourselves in, we need to see these things from God's perspective. Now, this is going to be a a bit odd, but we have a, a geometric figure on the screen right now, and it's just a simple cube. Now, this isn't some weird, I'm not going to try to hypnotize you all or anything like that, but I want to ask you to just stare at that cube. And if you keep looking at it, something's going to happen. Did it happen yet to any of you? Did it? It changed, didn't it? It moved. Well, is it going up and away or down and away? Did it happen? Some of you are sitting there like, I can't make it change. Okay, so you're looking at that bottom square. And then now focus at the top square or vice versa. I don't know what you're thinking because I can't read minds. But it changed, didn't it? And yet it hasn't moved at all. It's just static lines. And yet it's a moving object. Well, what's changed? Uh, It was your perspective. Now, I'm here to talk about discipleship. And this is a church that knows all about discipleship. So my goal today is to change your perspective on this whole issue of making disciples. Seeing things from God's perspective, why we make disciples. Maintaining the proper biblical perspective. See, things are not always as they appear. If you have a study sheet, things are not always as they appear or as we think they appear. Now, this is so important because if you miss this, 
discipleship is going to be just another program in your church that some participate in. And you maybe you're on the outside looking at it. And, and maybe if you're on the inside and, and making disciples, you can still miss the whole point. And you don't want to do that because it's going to dictate your behavior. So that's my goal today, that your perspective would change about this. And so that's why we're going to talk about why we make disciples. Please turn to Romans chapter 15. We're going to go on a quick journey through the Bible. Romans 15, we'll start here. We're going to pick up, this is an incredible book. It's very much like a legal dissertation. Uh, laying out the fact that righteousness can only come through the person of Jesus Christ. can't come any other way. <clears throat> and he's starting to close out this incredible epistle, <clears throat> Paul, who wrote it to the Roman church. And in verse 5, he says something very interesting. Romans fifteen five. he says, Now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another, According to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth do what? Glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, isn't it great to be like-minded? It's a blessing for me to be here because you all are like-minded. You're a like-minded church. I know when uh, uh, my former associate, we sent him out two years ago uh, with uh, with a bunch of a bunch of people from our church, Pastor Jay. He said, man, I love going over to Heartland. I love being with them because it's just like being at home. And I feel that same way here, being with you. Ed, don't you feel the same way? It's just the truth. Being like-minded is fantastic. But here he says that we may be may with one mind and one mouth do something together. And what is that something? Glorify God. Look in verse 7. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the, what? Say it with me. Glory of God. Now, I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision, uh, that's the Jews, for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers, and and that the Gentiles, that's probably the vast majority of us in this room, and there may be someone Jewish here today, but the church is primarily Gentile, and that the Gentiles might, what? Glorify God for his mercy as it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. So here's everyone's purpose. Jew and Gentile are to glorify God. That's the purpose. Everyone that belongs to God is to bring God glory. Look over in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, just over a book, and chapter 6. Now, This very familiar passage, I would assume that you have this memorized. I know my discipler, when I got saved, I was immediately discipled and, and he would, he had me memorize this verse right away. And here's how he said it. Verse 19. What? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? And he said, I want you to memorize it just like that. That was 35 years ago. And I still think that. And I can still see him saying that. You believe that, don't you? It's questions. What's the answer? Yeah. 
verse 20. Here's the why. For you're bought with a price. We talked yesterday, just touched on that, didn't we? Just about the, the value of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, most of you weren't here yesterday, so I'll repeat it. How do we assess value? How, is, how, have, how have humans throughout human history assessed anything of value? It's always by the lack of something. The lack of something. You know, I, I had a friend who collected baseball cards. And, you know, there was a card, Shoeless Joe Jackson's card. And it was worth, I'm making this up, I don't know, you know, I don't know, $10 million. And then they found some guy's stash who'd passed away as his kids were going through his stuff in his estate. And they found 12 perfect, perfectly kept Shoeless Joe Jackson cards. And the price, boom, it went way down. Now, they were still worth, you know, who knows, 500000 a million dollars. But there are more of them, so they were worth less each. And you think about this. I had a nurse reluctantly agreed with me yesterday. Yeah, I think so, she said. She was helping me. But there's approximately five quarts of blood in a human body. Approximately. Some more, some less. So... When Jesus Christ was on this earth, there was only five quarts of blood in his body. The blood of the man-God. The blood of the God-man. That's unique blood. Only five quarts. That makes it the most powerful, most precious, most expensive substance in the entire universe. And then when we think about it being shed for us, you think about the throngs of human beings that have lived since the time of Adam. Billions of people from every tribe and tongue multiplying on the face of the earth. I mean, think of it. Millions and millions and millions and billions of people since that time. And yet no one no one, this, I got goosey goosebumps right now. Nobody is like you. Ever, never has been, never will be. You're valuable. You are so valuable to the Lord Jesus Christ that he shed the most precious substance in the universe to purchase your eternity. What do you think of that? That's profound. For you bought with a price. Therefore, the why, what? Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Right here. God owns you. And our purpose is to glorify him in this body. Look over in chapter 10. Very familiar verse, another familiar verse, easy to memorize. Most of you understand this if you've been around for any length of time. Verse 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, he goes down to the most base things that you got to do every day to sustain yourself. The most basic things, eating and drinking. 
the most base stuff. He starts with the most base things that you really need to do, you know, unless you're fasting or, you know, or you're sick or healing up or something like that. With those exceptions, I mean, you've got to eat and drink things every single day. And he starts with the most base things. And then he says, or whatsoever you do, and then everything else on top of that. Everything else that you're going to do in the course of the day on top of the most basic things, do all to the what? Glory of God. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians is, uh, you know, it's funny. Do you guys do this? You say, well, that's one of my favorite books in the Bible, whatever book in the Bible. And then you go to another book and you're like, "Eh, I don't know about that. Maybe that one is. They're all our favorites. But Ephesians is just an incredible book. It it reveals the mystery of the Jew and Gentile are one in Jesus Christ, in Christ, in Him. It reveals this great mystery that was hidden, that was all through the Old Testament, all those stories and those pictures, all the way from Genesis, all the way through the prophets, we were there, we're there, but hidden. And Ephesians reveals that. But Ephesians is really more than just that. Look in verse 1. It says, Paul, <clears throat> Ephesians 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Now, now watch carefully. To the saints, which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. You see, there are saints, there are saints, and then there are faithful saints. Is that not true? Is that true? And that's what this book is all about. It's about a saint needing to become faithful. Look at the very last verse in this book. It's the other bookend to verse 1 of chapter 1. Very last verse, chapter 6, verse 24, it says, Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in what? In sincerity. Amen. What an incredible book. It's teaching us how to go from being saved, a saint, to being a faithful saint who loves the Lord Jesus Christ Sincerely. These are the bookends in this incredible six-chapter book. If you go back to chapter one, I know I'm running you around, but I'm going to be leaving town soon, so. <laughs> if you go to chapter one, it, this book divides out really nice. Six chapters, it divides right down the center. The first three chapters talk about our wealth in Jesus Christ, the riches we have in Christ. Uh, Look at it. Look in, uh, I'm just going to jump through this. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father, chapter 1, verse 3, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Look in verse 5. Having predestinated us unto the adoption, we've been adopted, Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now watch, according to the, what? Riches of His grace. 
Look down in verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an what? Inheritance. Uh, uh, Look in verse uh, uh, 14. Speaking of uh, our being sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Which is the earnest of our inheritance. Uh, Go down to verse 18. Uh, The eyes of your understanding be enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance we're rich man because of jesus christ we are rich beyond measure there's no money that can replace your salvation is there none whatsoever you're rich beyond measure Uh, chapter two uh look in verse uh, uh four but god who is what rich uh down in verse seven Oh, this is beautiful. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Just think about it. Throughout all eternity, forever, and then ever, and ever, and ever. After ten thousands of years and ten thousands of thousands and thousands and thousands of years, the way we measure it here on planet Earth, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, He's going to continue to show His kindness to you. That's very beautiful. That makes us very wealthy, doesn't it? Verse 8, we have the gift of God. chapter 3, verse 6, we're fellow heirs, chapter 3, verse 7, the gift of the grace of God. Look in verse 8, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Riches. Verse 16, We see the word riches again. Chapter 1 through 3 is all about the riches we have as a result of our salvation. If somebody gave you tax-free an inheritance, somebody you didn't know you were related to, you're like, wow, this is incredible. $10 million, let's just say, tax-free. Would that change your life? Probably not for the better. (laughs) Well, I'd give the lion's share of it to the Lord. (laughs) Yeah? That's when you'd really stick to the tithe, wouldn't it? Ten percent. Keep nine for yourself. It would change your life. Come on, be honest. Again, probably not for the better. I I wouldn't want it. But it would change your life. And it it, it would change the lives of the people you love all around you. Would it not? It would. Okay, so the last three chapters says because you're rich, your life should change. So we got the wealth in chapters 1 through 3, and now we got our walk in chapters 4 through 6. Look at it in chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye, what? Walk. Yeah, 
Look in verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth not walk as other Gentiles. Walk in the vanity of their minds. Don't walk this way. Don't walk that way anymore. You have a, a new walk. Look down in chapter 5. In verse 2 it says, and walk in love. Chapter 8, or verse 8 rather. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Verse 15, see then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools. Walk, it's all about our walk. And then he finishes it out in verse uh, chapter 6, verse 10. We need to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand. And verse 13, so that you could withstand, having done all to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore. Verse 15, your feet shod where you walk, sure footing. Chapters 1 through 3 is about your wealth in Christ. Chapter 4 through 6 is about your walk. It's about a saint that's rich, and following those riches should change the way you live. And it details all kinds of things about your interpersonal relationships with your employer, with your family members, your children, your wife, your husband, etc. And he shows us how to walk, uh, that our life should change because of these riches. We all on the same page? Okay, now, go back to chapter 3. Now, sandwiched. Dead center. Just like a like the meat in a sandwich between two pieces of bread. Just right there. Right in the dead center. Verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Wow. According to the power that worketh in us, he's in us. Verse 21, here it is. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. And right in the middle of this book, he says, Amen. We have our purpose for living. It's to bring glory. To the Lord Jesus Christ forever. Forever to bring glory to Him. Look in Revelation chapter 4. It's a scene that we're going to see one day. It's a beautiful scene. John is seeing things and in, in in doing so and recording them he becomes a type of raptured church verse 1 after i looked and behold a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which i heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me sound familiar come up hither and i'll show the things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. As soon as we're raptured, we're going to see a throne, and we're going to see Him, Jesus, sitting on that throne. 
First thing we're going to see. And with all the other exciting things that are going to unfold, the four and twenty elders there, we're going to be there. We're going to be here when this is unfolding. John was launched ahead in the future, and it's still yet in our future. And we're going to be present, verse 10. The four and twenty elders fall down before Him that sat on the throne and worship Him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy, O Lord. You know the song. To receive glory, glory and honor. This is the part I have trouble with. Glory and honor. That's why I need a music leader. And power. Why? For thou hast created all things. Now watch. And for thy pleasure they were created. Does your life please God? You were made to give God glory. You know, that's an elusive phrase to me. I was talking with my friend Ed one of our deacons this morning, and he used the term nebulous. It's a nebulous statement. What does it mean? I had a young man come up to me after a church service many years ago, and he said, I, I can't wrap my head around this thing about bringing glory to God. What does that mean? And so I was trying to be astute and try to help him and working him through this thing. And, and I said, well, you know, we want to, be pleasing to God. And so uh, we want to do things that please Him. And I was working this thing probably just like you would. But it is an unusual term. Can you give me that? And then I hit it. And I'm like, yes. I says, you know what it really is? It's that every day, We want to make God look good. We want to make Him look good. Because He deserves it. He's worthy to have us make Him look good. He's worthy of all honor. If you follow the word honor through the Bible, you'll see that it's also used interchangeably with finances or things that are valuable. We want to make God look good. Forever. We want to put a high, high value on him. And, and power. Okay, well that's fine when we're talking about nations and governments, which he deserves, amen? But that's somewhat elusive. Glory. You deserve every, you, you're, you deserve me and everything about me. I want to make you look good. Honor, we have the highest value on you, O Lord. There's no one more valuable than you. And we want to give him power. Well, you know, he gave you a free will, didn't he? You get to give him power. You know how? By submitting to him and surrendering. Your power to Him every day. Power that He gave you over your will. 
you can surrender that and surrender power to him, your power. Wow. Listen, our mission is to bring glory to God. This is the why. And knowing the why changes things. Kaylee, would you put on this video? Now, when they think of the phrase, how do I know? Can you stop this just for a second? What behind it? How do I kind of got ahead of myself. Now, I, I don't know this guy, but he's hilarious. Any of you ever hear of him? Michael Jr.? He's hilarious. Now, I don't know what flavor of Christian he is. I suspect he's probably charismatic. <laughs> but I don't want that, I don't want you to come back later and, well, he was charismatic. We can't somehow listen to anything he's got to say. No. This guy is funny and he's, he's a good man. And he's going to give us an illustration. So, you want to pay close attention to this because it's good. All right, sorry about that, Kaylee. Go ahead. How do I know? A lot of people, when they think of the phrase, how do I know, they always want to put the what behind it. How do I know what I'm supposed to do? The the question that you really should ask is, how do I know why I'm here? Because when you know your why, your what becomes more clear and more impactful. If you know, like, for instance, um, people know that I do comedy, but that's what I do. My why is to inspire people to walk in purpose. So I can do comedy. I can write books. I can be in a movie because all of it is motivated by my why. In fact, I have a new uh, a new web series out called Michael Jr. Break Time. Yeah. Uh, we probably just did the sixth episode. It's on YouTube. So every single Wednesday at 3 o'clock, we drop a new episode on YouTube of Michael Jr. Break Time. What it is is it's me. I travel around the country, and I do stand-up comedy, in case you didn't know. And in the middle of my comedy set sometime, I'll stop and just talk to my audience. And we've been filming this, and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. So we're in Winston-Salem. I'm going to show you a clip from Winston-Salem. And I'm just talking to this guy in the audience, and he tells me that he's a, uh, a musical instructor at a school. So I was like, all right, you're a musical instructor. You know, can you sing? Let me hear you sing a song. So this is what happened at the last episode of Michael Jr.'s Break Time. Check it. So you're a musical director. Cool. Yes, sir. All right. So um, let me get a couple. Let me get a couple bars of like uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Let me, go ahead. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That brought us in. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Um, now, once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing. Yeah. 
that I want you to catch. The first time I asked him to sing, he knew what he was doing. The second time, he knew why he was doing it. When you know your why, your what becomes more impactful because you're walking towards or in your purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Our purpose is to bring glory to God. It's the why. Knowing the why changes things. And I want you to think about this today. Any serious decisions in your life that you've ever made, they're never made by what and how. We have to have what and how. We're Americans. We're industrious by nature. It's inbred in us. We've got to know what and we've got to know how. But that's not where serious decisions from deep within the human heart are made. No, no. It's always based on why. Why we do things. The why is to glorify God. Jesus gave us a biblical model. And His whole purpose was to glorify God His Father. I listed these scriptures out here. His whole purpose was to glorify God the Father. That's why He came. He, Jesus came for a host of reasons. To seek and to save that which is lost, to destroy the works of the devil, on and on and on. But He came to do the will of the Father. You remember when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane? Twice. Twice. He said, if you can take this cup from Me, but not My will, yours be done. Twice. Because He was there To glorify God. To glorify the Father. That's our pattern. The the main purpose of every single day of his life, his primary mission was to make the Father magnified, to look good. It was to bring glory to the Father. Now, we may do lots of things. I know you're busy. I know you guys are workers. I've already heard some of the things you're doing about adopt a street. And by the way, if you haven't done that, you should do that. There's so many things that you can do. And Kaylee, if you put this up, I mean, I just listed some things. But uh, corporate ways and, and means to glorify God. Now think about these things. Preaching and teaching the Word of God. Amen? Uh, uh, evangelism and soul winning. Right? General administration. Not a lot of people like that. But you and I do, don't we, brother? We like bean counting and ordering things. I like that. Leadership development, got to. Visitation and follow-up. Ministry to the sick, aged and shut-ins. Am I speaking your language? Uh, Ministry to children, youth and adults. Uh, Now we're pulling more of you in, aren't we? Camp ministries, missions and missionary care. Aren't you thankful for that, uh, Sam and Virginia? Ministry to the poor and imprisoned. Bibles. Special Bibles for prisoners. Uh, ministries to the troubled, addicted and bere- uh, bereaved, counseling and personal care, funerals and weddings. Man, that's, 
That's huge. That's a ministry, man. Important ministry. Corporate prayer and Bible studies, fellowship and camaraderie. We had a lot of that. We couldn't break it off last night. Huh? was hard, wasn't it? Singing, music, dramas, specials, fundraising projects. And, and here on your list, uh, 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 Bible assembly and distribution. And all of you, you're all, I would say the majority, I hope, are all in on these things. And here's the key. This is not your purpose. It's not. You can be fooled and get so involved in all this stuff that you forget what you're here for. Personal ways, Bible reading and study, scripture memorization, prayer, personal holiness, attitude and countenance, attitude and countenance. Oh, 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 okay. I was stuck on that one. (laughs) Attitude and countenance. No. Church attendance and participation, personal service and volunteerism, personal conduct and thought, speech and behavior, evangelism and soul winning. And you could add to that list. Listen, it's not your purpose. You can be fooled into thinking, that's my purpose. Uh, 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 Brother James, leading the music, man, great job. It's not your purpose. <laughs> All these things, you know what they are? They're a means to accomplish the whole reason why you exist. These are awesome things. But they're not the purpose. They're the ways and means to accomplish your purpose. And through these things, as you do them, you remember your, 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 uh, uh, Zo- uh, uh, no, that's Zoe right there. It's Kaylee today. Would you put the cube back up? Remember the cube? Your perspective needs to change. You can put the list back up. Thank you. These are the ways you have to bring glory to God. When you study the Bible, you learn something new. And you apply it into your life. It brings glory to God. Isn't that something? That's a supernatural thing. That's not to be taken for granted. That's big time serious business. When, when the Holy Spirit of God reveals something to you that's righteous and right and biblical, and then you by faith, especially when it goes against human reasoning, and you do it, wow, God's like, he's glorified by that. You think about this. Back in eternity past, Lucifer, the light bearer, he was created so beautiful. I mean, there was none like him. He was the worship leader in heaven. He was made out of precious stones and incredible musical instruments. And he led the host of heaven and he, he would have covered the throne of God and, and, and reflected the Shekinah glory of God throughout the universe, throughout the heavens, as the angelic host sang. Can you imagine that worship service going on there? 
He saw him. He saw him. He was close to him, our God. And he rejected him for his own glory. Now, we get frustrated because we can't see him. Why can't we see him? Why didn't he just show himself to us? He's perfectly just. He's got a plan. And right now, his plan is in the face of those that saw him and rejected him. And so now he said, you know what? I'm going to make a creation out of dirt. Out of dirt and dust. And I'm going to form them in my own image and they're going to be flawed. I'm going to give them free will just like you have. And I'm going to let them choose. You know what? We don't always make the right choices, do we? But here's what they're going to do. They're not going to see me. They're not going to hear me. I'm going to preserve my words in a book. And they're going to read it. And I'm going to put my spirit inside of them in this clay pot. And they're going to love me. They're going to sing songs to me. They're going to write thousands and thousands of songs. Over 10,000 songs written to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's beautiful. They're going to sing those songs. They're going to give their their hard-earned money. They're going to help people in my name. And the list goes on and on. And they'll never have seen me. What a plan. What an incredible plan. Every time I think about it, it's just amazing. We have a chance by faith to make him look good. So it only stands to reason that the more people there are that make those kinds of choices and understand these things and see these things from his perspective, the more people that will then one day be gathered around that throne as we just read and giving him glory and honor and power. That's why we make disciples. It is. Isn't it? And just a little tweak. A little tweak on this. Just staring at that cube. Just a little tweak. Thank you. And it changes our perspective. Heartland Baptist Fellowship is a church that knows the work of the Lord is the work the Lord did. I believe you know that, don't you? Look honest. I, I don't, I'm new here. I don't know this. But that should have deserved a better amen for the Lord. You know, you know this? Amen. I encourage you to look these verses up this week. 
Make disciples that will make disciples to multiply reproducing reproducers. Make disciples to multiply churches that will multiply churches. We sent out three churches since our humble beginning 24 years ago by the grace of God. But that was the plan. We finally have the people and the resources with our bills paid off to send out new churches and multiply. And and if the Lord is gracious to us, uh, we'll be able to do this every two years. We did this two years ago. We sent out uh, about 170 people six miles away with a pastor, one of my best friends, Jay. And... We're filling up again. We had. It's hard to find a parking space and it's hard to find a seat. And I'm not saying that in any boastful way. I'm nobody. You knew me and my story. It's a joke. I shouldn't be here. But I am to the glory of God. He changed my life and transformed my thinking. You can say a lot of things about me. I'm impatient. I have a short fuse at times. A lot of things could be said to be negative. And not evil, heinous things and whatever. But I tell you, I am thankful. I'm forever thankful and grateful to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and I want to sell out to this. And I'm here to help you sell out to this. Church isn't somewhere we go. It's something we are. It's the mandate. It's a biblical mandate. We'll finish right here. Turn to Matthew 28. Excuse me. We have to constantly add. We have to evangelize. We have to add people so that we can connect them with someone who will personally care for them and teach them how to multiply. So we have to add to multiply. We have to constantly be doing this. Why? There's more people that make God look good. Because he deserves it. Because he's incredible. My old pastor used to say, Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. Matthew 28, verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Praise God. All power over in heaven, over angels, over the solar system, over the universe and its movements, all things unseen on earth, all power ultimately over nations, all power over things created, all, all, all power over all ways, all power over all people. Ultimately, and because of this, go ye therefore, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. So, okay, if you're, do we baptize infants? Who do we baptize? Only. It's scriptural. We only baptize believers. And it isn't for salvation, is it? 
No. It's a, it's a public, it's many awesome things. It testifies of the resurrection of Christ and the new life we have because He lives, we live. But it's a public uh, act of obedience demonstrating what already took place inside us that we believe the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? So we can't baptize anybody until we first teach them what? The gospel. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. He just came through 28 chapters. So I guess the Holy Spirit assumes that we know this. We teach them the gospel. Then we baptize them. And then after that, verse 20, teaching them, after they've been saved, after they've been publicly baptized as a testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ, that He lives, teaching them all things whatsoever commanded you. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? No. Teaching them all things? You can't teach everybody all... Sorry, I tricked you and... You fell into that, and so no offense to you. You can't teach everybody all things because you don't know all things. If you knew all things, you know what? You'd be God. You don't know all things. You teach them to observe all things. Give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Give, teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime. So he can glorify God. We teach people that all the things that we do as believers in this time of faith and not sight. One day it's going to be sight. We're going to spread out into the entire universe. He's got a plan for the universe, a plan for the earth, and a plan for your life. If you just obey him by faith. And he, he wants us to multiply. There'll be more and more people standing around that throne, on that crystal sea, one day, wow, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, so we can glorify God together. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Don't be afraid. Make disciples. That's what this says. Amen? Amen. That's what he said. Go and make disciples. God made us to bring glory to Him and His Son, Jesus. In eternity past, the enemy saw Him in all of His glory and rejected Him for His own glory. Now we live by faith. And if we miss this simple point, all our Christian service, and we fight it, and you know this is true, it becomes wearisome, and then it becomes undervalued. And then when this happens, our work for Christ can't be sustained in the long run with the proper cheerful attitude. And that's why we must maintain the proper perspective and have a right heart attitude toward the work of the Lord, which is multiplying multipliers, individuals and churches. How great is the God we adore, our faithful, unchangeable friend, whose love is as great as his power, has no measure or end.
Would you bow your heads, please? As we continue with heads bowed and eyes closed. And what an incredible opportunity to understand what the why. And perhaps listening to this morning, God has changed your perspective. Maybe he's changed your perspective on on why you're here. Maybe you came to church today and you just came to check in and check out and, and God met you.